remembering the guy who was involved in one of the biggest instances of political disobedience in history, Mike Gravel and the Pentagon Papers, this week on The Political Junkie. You like Ike, I like Ike, everybody likes Ike for president. And Ike to you, and Ike to me, I don't care how you quote it. Come on and vote for Kennedy, vote for Kennedy, and we'll come out on top. Vote for Richard Nixon and Henry Cabot Lodge, cause they're the ones to lead the USA. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to episode 369 of The Political Junkie. I'm Ken Rudin. Six years ago this week, I commemorated the anniversary of the leaking of the Pentagon Papers by interviewing the man who helped lead the way, Alaska's Mike Gravel. On June 29, 1971, he read excerpts of the papers on the Senate floor, then submitted the rest into the congressional record. I'm going to replay the interview in a few minutes. Gravel died this week at the age of 91. Before I get to the interview, I want to discuss his political history for a few minutes. The larger political world first heard of him in 1968 when he toppled the Alaska Senate giant, Ernest Greening, in the Democratic primary. Greening became a hero with activists opposed to the Vietnam War, when he was one of only two senators to vote against the Gulf of Tonkin resolution. Gravel ran to the right of Greening on Vietnam, but the real issue was Greening's age. He was 81, and not nearly the energetic candidate Gravel was. Still, it's interesting to hear Gravel talk about Vietnam during that primary campaign. I personally see no difference between spending American dollars to defend West Berlin with an airlift as opposed to spending those same dollars in South Vietnam. And I see no difference that if East Berlin invaded West Berlin, and mind you, that country was partitioned after the Second World War, just like North and South Vietnam were partitioned. And they may not like the partitioning, nor do the Germans like the partitioning. What would be the American reaction? What would be the thought of the liberals then? I think they'd they'd gladly go to the defense of West Germany. And I think we should apply the same rule to Asians. It was close, but Gravel won the primary. Still, Greening wasn't going away quietly. He mounted what was, for him, a vigorous write-in campaign to save his seat. Stuck with no choice? Stick with Greening. To cast a write-in or sticker vote for Senator Ernest Greening, here is all you have to do. On your ballot, find the heading, United States Senator. Under the names of the other two candidates, there is a blank for your write-in vote. Write in, Ernest Greening. Easy and smart. Or use a sticker. Stick with Greening, your great United States Senator. He can do more for Alaska. For you. Greening wound up getting 17% of the vote as a write-in, but it wasn't enough to doom Democrats' chances. Gravel beat his Republican opponent, 45 to 37 percent. By 1971, Gravel had already begun to oppose the war, as his role in the Pentagon Papers showed. But by 1974, Gravel's re-election chances looked very iffy. 
his tearful reading of the Pentagon Papers, along with his 1972 speech at the Democratic National Convention nominating himself for vice president, struck many Alaskans as odd. Plus, there was lingering resentment among some Democrats over the fact that he ran in 68 against Greening as a Vietnam War hawk, only to become more dovish once he was in office. But Gravel lucked out. The Republicans nominated a member of the John Birch Society, and in the Watergate year of 74, the GOP was doomed. In 1980, however, his luck ran out. Marred in a controversial Alaska lands bill and feuding with the state's other senator, the powerful Republican Ted Stevens, Gravel was in a bit of a pickle. Adding to the saga, his opponent in the Democratic primary was Clark Greening, the grandson of the Senator Gravel unseated 12 years earlier. And as it turned out, the primary wasn't especially close. Greening got the revenge he was looking for. Gravel was out. After that, Gravel kind of faded from the scene. He decided to run for president in 2008, and his only memorable moment was a TV commercial where he stares at the camera for more than a minute, then picks up a rock and throws it into a body of water. And that was the entirety of the commercial. Go figure. He made no headway in the race, but he was no shrinking violet on the debate stage. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and John Edwards and Joe Biden all seemed amused, but Gravel wasn't fooling around. It's like going into the Senate. You know, the first time you get there, you're all excited. My God, how did I ever get here? Then about six months later, you say, how the hell did the rest of them get here? <laughs> you know, and, and I got to tell you, after standing up with them, some of these people frighten me. They frighten me. When, when you have mainline candidates that turn around and say that there's nothing off the table with respect to Iran, that's code for using nukes, nuclear devices. I gotta tell you, I'm president of the United States. There will be no preemptive wars with nuclear devices. To my mind, it's immoral, and it's been immoral for the last 50 years as part of American foreign policy. Let's use a little moderator discretion here. Senator Gravel, that's a weighty charge. Who on this stage exactly tonight uh, uh, worries you uh, so much? Well, I would say the top-tier ones. The top-tier ones. They I'm... made statements. Oh, Joe, I'll include you, too. You have a certain arrogance. You want to you tell the Iraqis how to run their country. i got to tell you, we should just play get out. Just play get out. It's their country. They're asking us to leave, and we insist on staying there. And why not get out? What harm is it going to do? Oh, the, you hear the statement, well, my God, the soldiers will have died in vain. The entire deaths of Vietnam died in vain. And they're dying in vain right this very second. And you know what's worse than a soldier dying in vain? is more soldiers dying in vain. That's what's worse. As I said earlier, Mike Gravel died last Saturday, three days before the 50th anniversary of his reading of the excerpts of the Pentagon Papers on the Senate floor. Six years ago, he was on The Political Junkie to talk about his act of civil disobedience. Here is that interview. It wasn't unusual to see acts of civil disobedience back in the early 1970s, but it was quite unusual to see it by a U.S. senator. The people must know the full story of what has occurred over the past 20 years within their government. 
Mike Gravel, a Democratic senator from Alaska in his first term, was at a hearing of his Public Works subcommittee and began reading things that the Pentagon did not want revealed. The Pentagon Papers were the secret history, going back to the Kennedy administration, of policy and untruths about the U.S.'s role in Vietnam. One may respond that we made such a sacrifice to preserve freedom and liberty in Southeast Asia. One may respond that we sacrifice ourselves on the continent of Asia so that we will not have to fight a similar war on the shores of America. One can make these arguments only if he has failed to read the Pentagon Papers. That is the terrible truth of it all. The papers do not support our public statements. The papers do not support our best intentions. The papers prove that for 20 years, and certainly for the last 10 years, we have been victims of our Southeast Asia policy, not masters of it. The New York Times and other newspapers started publishing excerpts of the Pentagon Papers in late June of 1971, which started an uproar. And when Gravel began to read from classified documents, with the press and public tuned in, a legal and ethical firestorm ensued. He's here to talk about it. Senator Gravel, welcome to The Political Junkie. Yeah, well, yeah, happy to be on your program. Take us to the days leading up to your action. The Nixon administration had released the Pentagon Papers to Congress with strict instructions that they remain top secret and classified. What was going through your mind? The Pentagon Papers, nothing but a historic document, history. There was, there was no release of classified information that would have done harm to the United States. In fact, what was released was information about how the American people had been misled by four and five uh, presidential uh, administrations. That's, that's really what was revealed to the American people. And as that was being revealed, of course, we're talking about 1971, which is the middle, I mean, right in the middle of the Vietnam War, which is still going on. To me, it's hard to imagine that a special meeting of the Public Works Subcommittee on Public Buildings would be the site of such controversy. Was, Was the press, was anyone tipped off in advance that you were going to do this? No, not at all. It started at around 5 o'clock uh, on, the, on that Tuesday, and uh, I was uh, intent on filibustering to force the, ex- the expiration of the draft on, as, as of the first of the month. Now, the media wasn't tipped off, but when I was thwarted on the floor of the Senate, and I'm uh, st- uh, stalking around the Senate uh, and going back to my office with two flight bags, uh, which contained the Pentagon Papers, was tip-off enough uh, to the media. And so when we called, uh, when, we, when we set up the hearing of the buildings and grounds, uh, they obviously were there, uh, and, and the, build, the room was packed with media and those who people in the know with respect to what I was trying to do. There was one moment w- w- where you broke down for an extended period of time. Talk, talk about the emotional strain you were under. 
Well, I was sobbing, and I really mean sobbing. I had lost control. Uh, the reason for that was very straightforward. Uh, I had, for three or four days, had very, very little sleep, had the Pentagon Papers. I was really scared stiff. I didn't know what would happen to me. Uh, we went over all the possibilities with our attorneys that, one, I could be arrested, I could be prosecuted, could be thrown in jail. The least that could happen to me would be censured. And so that, all of that pressure, plus earlier in the, in the month or a month and a half before that, I had visited Walter Reed Hospital, and, uh, and I cut the visit short because I could not handle emotionally uh, all of these young people with their mutilated bodies as a result of the Vietnam War. And so that was more than I could take. And so in the, in the process of reading my opening statement that I was going to use on the floor of the Senate, uh, I started. I broke down, just straight broke down and sobbing, and it was only with the uh, intervention of my assistant, uh, Joe Rostin at the time, who suggested that that I was losing it and that we ought to try to bring the hearing to a close. And then he suggested that since I was the chairman, I could put the papers in the record. So what I did is I asked unanimous consent. No, no one being there to object, I declared that the papers were part of the subcommittee record and I didn't have to read anymore. I remember that during the, the actual hearing when you were reading the papers, I remember de Republicans and even some Democrats were furious with you uh, and that you were summoned to a chat with Senate Majority Leader Mike Mansfield. What happened to that conversation? Well, what, what threw me for a loop, and of course I was very emotional at, uh, during this whole period, was when I when I told uh, when I walked in to see Mansfield, without saying a word, he took the pipe out of his mouth and said, uh, "Mike, if I had your courage, I'd have done the same thing." That threw me for a loop, and I I thanked him and I excused myself because I could not contain my emotions because what he was essentially declaring was that he was protecting me from any onslaught. Uh, that would take place within the Senate. Now, that did not necessarily protect me from the Supreme Court. What you did with the Pentagon Papers, it reminds me of WikiLeaks and Edward Snowden and the release of secret documents. Do you see a, kin a kinship with Snowden? Do you see him as a good guy or a hero? Oh, totally a hero. And what he did was considerably more important than what we did with the Pentagon Papers. And Ellsberg agrees with the, my view on this. Uh, and there's no question that Snowden has rendered unbelievable service to the American people and to the sustenance of our democracy. In 1972, the following year, you ran to become the Democratic nominee for vice president. Now, Nobody runs for vice president on their own. What was that all about? Well, I just felt that since the decisions of, uh, with respect to vice president were made in the wee hours of the morning at the convention without any great deal of thought uh, and uh, vetting of the individual in question, uh, I just felt that it was a, a, a better uh, situation for our democracy to have the vice president run for office and go through the caucuses just the way the president runs. And that way you have a safer vetting of whoever is selected by the nominee, which has been the traditional way of picking vice presidents. I don't think it's the best way, but it's the way that seems to prevail in our political system. You probably, w you probably wouldn't have done uh, much worse than Thomas Eagleton. 
Uh, well, that's it was an unfortunate situation that uh, that the vetting of him getting shock therapy uh, was a no-no politically. I don't think that would be the case today. After your defeat in 1980, you were out of politics for a long time, but then you resurfaced in 2008 as a candidate for president. What issues were you running on? Well, primarily, I wanted to acquaint the American people with what I thought was a solution to our uh, dysfunctional government, and that was to empower the people to make laws nationally and in every jurisdiction of the country. And so over a period of uh, 20 years, I developed this legislation called the National Citizens Initiative, and, uh, and it were enacted into law by the people because the Congress would never do this. It would be diluting their power. But, uh, but it, would be, it could be done by the people directly, uh, and as a result of that passage of the law, the American people would be able to make laws in every government jurisdiction of the United States. You will be most remembered for your reading of the Pentagon Papers. Are you okay with that? I'm, I'm very okay with that. Uh, I've, done, I've taken uh, other stands uh, that are probably more controversial, but, uh, but the controversy of the Pentagon Papers was settled by the Supreme Court when it ruled unanimously. Now, there was a 5-4 ruling on another part of this, but it ruled unanimously in my favor that I, could, that I as a member of Congress, could release secret documents willy-nilly uh, if I thought it was in the best interest of the nation. That is the law of the land. And since that 40 years ago, uh, the, the no member of Congress has stepped forward to exercise that right, which is so fundamental to a democracy, because if the people don't know what their government is doing in their name, democracy dies. Senator Gravel, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you, Ken. Listen, do you want to know a secret? Do you promise not to tell? Whoa, whoa. That was my interview with Mike Gravel back in 2015. He died this week at the age of 91. And that's it for this week's show. Don't forget, you can always find my political blogs, trivia questions, and the political junkie store, all at krpoliticaljunkie.com. If you've got comments, questions, or complaints, or even government secrets, send an email to ken at krpoliticaljunkie.com. You can also tweet me at Ken Rudin or shoot me a message on the show's Facebook page. And you can follow my button of the day on Instagram at The Political Junkie. Political Junkie is made possible thanks to the support of our listeners and donors. Your generous contributions are most appreciated. Keep them coming at krpoliticaljunkie.com slash donate. I'm Ken Rudin. Thanks for listening. Please stay safe. I'll see you soon. You promise not to tell. Whoa, closer. Let me whisper in your